What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Professional Athlete Podcast. This is episode number two, and it's an exciting one because it is our first full episode. Uh, I'm really excited about the guest that we have today. His name is Chris Barnard. He's a strength and conditioning coach at Strength Camp based out of St. Petersburg, Florida. Chris works with uh, professional and amateur athletes alike. Uh, we talk a little bit today about the work he's doing with some of his guys who are currently training for the NFL Combine as we speak. Chris also runs Overtime Athletes. Uh, Overtime Athletes is an online platform, and uh, he shares his strength and conditioning expertise. He puts a tremendous amount of content out on YouTube. He's on Instagram. He also does a number of multiple performance-based programs, but the way I found out about him is uh, he also does custom programs. So I'd hit a little bit of a plateau and I wanted to mix it up, reached out to Chris and, uh, I have been, uh, really excited about, you know, the improvements that I've seen, uh, in all the, all the things that I'm personally training in. So, uh, he's a tremendous resource. We had a great conversation. I'm excited for everyone to hear it. Um, since this is the first full episode, I want to give everyone a little bit of a heads up as to what they can expect. So, uh, right after the interview wraps up with Chris, we, uh, have a next section where I run it by my wife. So I will be joined by the lovely Sonia Gunter, who's going to offer us her feminine perspective on how the podcast went. Uh, the other thing that I'm going to try and do is, you know, I love podcasts. And one of the things that sometimes I wish people would do is kind of wrap it all up and give it some takeaways, right? So the intent that everything that we're talking about today is going to be something that you hopefully uh, can take something from and maybe even implement. Uh, in this case, it'd be working out, but we're going to have a, a number of diverse guests. So I'm going to do my best to wrap up and summarize what I took away from the conversation. Uh, so hopefully we can help make it as applicable as possible. So with that, let's get it started and uh, let's welcome Chris to the show. Here we go. I gotta get up. I got too much to do. Yeah, I gotta get going. I gotta talk to you. It's time to start the show. Chris, man, welcome to the show. How you doing? Pretty good, pretty good. Thank you for having me. Yeah, man, absolutely. It's been uh, a long, long time coming. So for those who don't know, um, I actually have been working with Chris the last, I guess, what has it been, five months? You've been you've been putting together programs for me? Yeah, right about that time. That sound about right? Yeah. yeah. Um, so no, I mean, uh, you know, I definitely wanted to have you on the show. Uh, my thought was you have a ton of great content out there. Um, and I really appreciate your approach. Um, you definitely seem to take a, uh, a bit of like an academic approach, right? Mm -hmm. Like all of the things that you tend to recommend seem to be based in science and research, which I certainly appreciate. Um, and on top of that, you know, I've, I've gotten tremendous results. So, uh, you know, want to help make people aware and, uh, you know, so they can, they can benefit as well. Absolutely, man. I appreciate you having me on. And uh, man, it's been an absolute pleasure, as I'm sure some people know, or if you may not know, dude, you're an absolute monster. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. You are a monster. It's like I work with some professionals that don't have some of the numbers you do. So it's, yeah, pretty cool. it's been a pretty awesome thing. You know, the whole thing with doing stuff online, it's like technology is such a 
a blessing to be able to work with people you might not be able to work with in your local area. And, you know, for me, I don't really like to get a lot of the guys who aren't that serious or have a goal. They're just kind of wanting to kind of be, you know, the, the, just, you know, they're, they're not as locked in and to see you like with your goal and just to see how high level it is. Like that's the ideal type of clientele. So it's been an awesome, Awesome, awesome journey so far. I appreciate that. Checks in the mail. Uh, no, dude, it's, it's been, it's been a lot of fun. I, uh, yeah, I mean, for me, like after college, I definitely went through a phase where like, I just went to the gym, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? And like, I did what I had to, to kind of stay in shape, just like to get, you know, as quick as I could to get out to the bar. You know what I mean? Right. And then you kind of hit a point where it's like, I just, I just don't get excited about that anymore. You know, I need some sort of goal to be working towards. So right. Um, for me, it's been, it's been a blast, man. And as long as I'm working towards something as ridiculous as times as it might be, you know what I mean? I, I stay focused, I get in. So it's been great. Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, cool. So, you know, I discovered your platform, maybe, I don't know how, how you speak about your business, but I mean, you, you seem to have a huge online media presence, video programs, content, blog, um, you know, I discovered you through just searching online, right? Mm-hmm. So one of the things I was trying to do was improve my vertical because um, I was going to sign up for this decathlon and, you know, I hadn't jumped in, I think, three years. Mm-hmm. And so uh, I didn't want to be exposed in front of all my friends with all my numbers being recorded. So, you know, searching online, I stumbled upon a video of you, I think, jumping, what was it, 40, 44 inches? Yeah, yeah. And for those, uh, I'll, I'll link to it in the show notes, but, uh, for those who haven't seen it, it's legitimate and, uh, legitimate enough that I immediately pulled out my credit card and I think requested that you send me your workout. Um, so, you know, t- talk to me a little bit about what you're doing over at OTA, just so people kind of have a background of, uh, what you are doing through your business. Yeah. So it's kind of funny. It's like every time somebody asks kind of what I do, especially my, my girlfriend, she's always, she always <laughs> up cause, cause like people will ask me and I'm like, Oh, I train athletes. And I guess she considers it a pretty humble answer because it's like, that's not like you do so much. So people who don't understand or don't know. So I actually have four businesses. I have okay. overtime athletes, which I started in college. Um, oh, really? You started that in college? Yeah, I started that actually in college, oh, wow. and I can get into a little bit, a quick story of how that went. Uh, yeah, man, that'd be cool. And business partners with a guy, um, Elliot Hulse, in which we own Strength Camp, uh, which is a gym here in St. Petersburg, Florida, which that's the actual gym you see me working out of. Got it. Um, on the videos. Yeah. And then uh, we have Strength Camp Media, which is our online media company or online marketing company. And then we mm-hmm. also have Strength Camp International, which we actually license out our gyms. Oh, and awesome. Yeah. So, you know, to go rewind back, overtime athletes, um, you know, I was always an athlete and I always liked to coach even before I kind of got into college and actually got my degree and everything. Um, I was coaching people and that was just a natural evolution of, you know, what I was doing. So when I started overtime athletes, I basically had to start a company where I could start taking payments for my coaching. Um, so I started that, you know, I started basically putting up YouTube videos. I wanted to document myself as an athlete, um, just kind of stumbled across, you know, the YouTube, you know, when, when YouTube was 
when I got on it, it was a very like different platform. I think it was like cats playing pianos and it was all like (laughs) random videos. Right. Yeah, man. And uh, I just started taking a flip cam, which I learned from Elliot and just kind of documenting a lot of the stuff I was doing. Okay. I wanted to help out athletes. I wanted to do all these things. And then the first thing that happened was I prepared for college football. So I was right. training to go to the University of Miami, and I mm-hmm. basically just took my program, which I thought was an intense program, but it really shaped and molded me physically. Uh, and I basically learned how to turn it into a PDF, create a sales page, and put it online. Yeah. And so now you have the birth of kind of this online marketing, right? And then mm-hmm. you also have the physical side where I was actually coaching athletes, you know, behind the scenes. Now, when I first started, it's not like I just came in and was training professional athletes. Like I was working with a lot younger demographic, a lot of high school kids, a lot of uh, kids in the park and stuff like I really had to pay my dues. And basically from there, what happened was I just kept building and putting in that reps, just like training. I just put the reps in every single day. And, you know, I just. To me, it just grew that experience in me as a coach. I continue yeah. to put it online. I continue to learn online marketing. Um, I consider myself a pretty ambitious guy, so I'm always constantly figuring out new ways I can continue to climb. And uh, and yeah, next thing you know, you fast forward ten years down the line, and you know, have the YouTube channel, have the online platforms, the programs, do the online coaching now, which has been a big focus over the last year. Um, yeah. And, uh, and yeah, now, you know, within the gym, it's kind of cool because all I really do is I'm an open book. I just document really what I do with a lot of my athletes. Yeah. You, know, you found me, I kind of had a different style of business where I documented myself. I was kind of like this thought process of like, here I am, I'm an athlete, a former athlete, and I want to continue to learn new ways that I can yeah. kind of hack these things like a vertical jump or a 40 yard dash or these things. And I was like, let me go ahead and basically show you the journey of how I got there. So you see with that vertical jump, there's a hundred videos before that of me just tweaking and testing and trying new things. And then basically leading into it, some of the cross, like what we call triphasic training, couple different variations of plyometrics. Next thing you know, I'm able to put up the 44 inch vertical. So then what I did was I flipped and I released that, that product of which I followed online. So it's kind of, it's kind of cool how it's been able to, you know, technology and the internet has been able to allow me to kind of connect and share ideas with just a vast array of people. Yeah. No, And it's funny that you mentioned that because I remember when I saw, you know, the 44 inch vertical, I was like, all right, I, I know a lot of guys who were born with the ability to just jump 40 inches. You know what I mean? I was like, what, what am I getting myself into here? So I did. I saw some of the earlier videos you did. And I mean, you, you started not at a by no means bad, but, I, you know, a, a more um, reasonable 30, 32 or 30, you know, somewhere in that range. So it was awesome to see that, like, the proof was in the pudding. You know, and it's always helpful when you can see someone who has kind of done the work themselves, like by no means is that required. Right. I mean, I don't think Bill Belichick's going to go out and run a sub 640 at any point here, but um, it was cool to kind of see like 
your journey just in that one aspect and be like, okay, clearly this guy put in the work, he's doing something right. Right. Is there a way that I can use that and kind of replicate that for myself? Right. Um, so you mentioned that you kind of now work with a, div- a diverse group of clientele, right? So, and not just in terms of experience, right? Like you work with professional athletes, but I think it appears like you're working with professional athletes and amateur athletes across like a wide array of, of sports and disciplines. Can you, can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah. So my base has always been, I think I've always felt like I've led with football, but growing yeah. up, I was a multi-sport athlete. Like there, there wasn't a time even from a young kid that I didn't have a season going on, you know, and the, the predominant three here was baseball, basketball, football. Yep. Um, the big three. Yeah. And if you think about it for us, it, 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 it honestly translates over to so many athletes and, and, you know, just to throw a stat out, I think like 200 and, 80 something out of like 290 draft picks. I, I, I had those numbers mixed up, but it's like some kind of crazy, like 98% right. of the athletes drafted in the NFL draft were multi-sport athletes. Yeah. So think about that. If you're coordinated, if you're powerful, if you have speed and if you're strong, it's going to translate over to most, you know, most sports. Like there's not too, and I don't say this in a way like, um, um, you know, like I'm bragging, but like I can, I can, I'm pretty good at almost at all sports. And you see that in a lot of these athletes who are at a high level, yeah. if they've never picked a baseball batter before then maybe, maybe not as, as good, but it's something they can pick up pretty quickly. Right. right. Like one of yeah. my football players or, you know, mo- I just noticed most of those guys are good across most. So when I had that, I noticed a lot of the guys in the local area, that's the kind of off seasons I was working with. Hmm. Um, you know, what was kind of crazy was I started having these one offs. Like for instance, when I first started, I had a group of collegiate swimmers and oh, okay. they had their own class. And that's something I never worked with. So I had to yeah. kind of <clears throat> put that notch in my belt and gain that experience of working with them. And one thing that I've always done that, that I can kind of look and analyze and say, oh, this is what a swimmer might need. But one thing I've always approached to that, and I think that was after being an athlete, was I actually get down and do the stuff. So I remember when I was training right. swimmers, I would actually go swim. I would go swim and I would go try to do the different strokes and figure out what it was that I felt like they needed. And that at yeah. that time it added that experience to me. So now anytime I work with a swimmer, it's not necessarily that I have to go do it again. It's just that I know what they're going through on a visceral level. Yep. Thing with baseball, basketball, and football, because those were the three sports I played all the way growing up through high school. Yeah. Um, You know, when I started working with baseball players, it's like I stopped that in high school because my thought process was I had to focus on football. Right. Specialize. Yeah, I thought that. And that was obviously a mistake looking back on it. But when I came back around and I started working with the professional baseball players, I was like, I want to get back in the cage and start hitting, knowing the knowledge that I have now. So it's like I would go in the cage with these guys and figure out. And some of the best um, coaching bits I've been able to develop as far as, you know, like the, the, the things that I do behind the scenes with these guys or how I program them 
were developed from me going and working with these guys and seeing actually what the, you know, what are we moving? How are we moving mechanically? Yeah. Um, and then just, you know, going from there and trying to enhance those things inside their program as far as an off season goes. Got it. So for you, um, it sounds like it, it's a lot of like learning by personal experience. Definitely. Right. Um, you know, now kind of where you're at, in your stage in your career, um, you know, how, how do you approach staying up to date on like, uh, the most cutting edge methods uh, of getting the most out of your athletes? Is it more like trial and error through seeing what your own guys are responding to? Is it more like digging into, uh, you know, the most recent research? Is it some hybrid combination? Like, you know, how, how are, how are you kind of, um, mapping out like what's going to be most effective for your guys and gals that you work with? You know, it's kind of crazy because when the training world, it's like, everybody wants to find the, the latest and greatest. Yeah. Um, I'll be honest. There hasn't been, there hasn't been much that has come out over the last couple of years that to me, I'm like, is a complete game changer. Okay. I think a lot of it is, I think people, especially now with Instagram and because of marketing purposes and everybody's a marketer, everybody's online coach. Yeah. It, everybody, everybody it, has a podcast. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Only the good ones survive though. Yeah, exactly. And, exactly. uh, but I think they get a little bit gimmicky. You know what I mean? Yeah. I guys tend to get a little gimmicky and I think that they feel like, that is what, you know, starts to drive views and stuff like that. My thing is this, whenever you're talking about coaching, judge, judge somebody by the results. Yep. And I think the only difference in my approach to another people's approach is I simplify it. I, I, yeah. I'm meat and potatoes when it comes to that. I'm definitely technical when it comes to trying to enhance what they actually have to do from a specific level. But the one thing that I do that I really kind of focus in on my athletes is I, I analyze my athlete as far as their sport. I take what they're not good at and I put place a focus on it. And I know it sounds simple, but if you take an athlete and you enhance their weakness and now that becomes a strength and you can do that and build upon each offseason by doing yeah. that, you start to create because here's the thing. If I have a fast baseball player and he yep. uh, and he um, he's good, you know, he's a fast runner. Well, he's going to continue to be a fast runner. He's going to continue to steal bases. Right. But if I can add the tool of power to him right now, he's a, now he's got two tools. Right. So yep. I, I'm trying to you know, obviously give an example. But if I can add something to that athlete, that's going to bring something new to their game. Um, that's really what I feel starts to separate it. You know, when you talk about the reps and sets and, and, and all those things, I know we've discussed triphasic training. Yep. That to me is one of the things, um, as far as a tool inside the weight room, right. Um, that has really, that's, it, you know, to answer, that's kind of the, 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 the one thing over the past decade that I feel like it was really enlightening to me. Yeah. Um, and it's based off a lot of the schooling and the, and the, um, uh, the education I received, um, yeah. you know, as far as what I try to do is I, I definitely try to twice a year. Um, you know, I, I still try to stay up on my education. So I try to read one training book per month. 
Okay. Um, I try to attend two seminars per year. So live training seminars, because I think it's not so much the reps and sets. I think sometimes it's about the art of coaching. Mm. Like you, you, I consider myself when it comes to the research and when it comes to learning all those things, Yep. I can, I consider myself evidence led, not evidence based. So I like to read the research and all of that. But once you gain all that experience and you kind of understand what you're trying to achieve with an athlete, yeah. I think it comes down to how you convey it more. Right. Totally uh, agree. It, and really that's kind of been, been a lot of my focus point because it's like, I remember four years ago, um, I was coming out with a speed product. Now speed is something that's pretty tough to teach because you have to convey exactly what you're trying to get out of that athlete, either through cues or through exercises and drills to be able yep. to obtain a certain you know mechanics. And so I kind of just started to me, my big thing was I had it up here in my mind. I know what it's supposed to look like, but why can't I get that to look the same with this athlete? Yeah. And so it's almost like I just went on this journey of how to convey my ideas. Yeah. And, um, and really to me, that's what took the biggest stride in my coaching as opposed to any one thing I really learned as far as a, a technical or research based thing in the actual coaching realm. Yeah. No, that makes sense. And you actually said something and I personally am a huge believer in this, but it's the simplification, right? Mm -hmm. Everyone wants the shortcut. You know what I mean? Like, Oh, we got a 44 inch vertical. Like was his leg positioning? Like how many sets do I need to do? Is it 200 calf raises? Like what? It's like, honestly, it was probably a lot of really hard work happening consistently over time. You know what I mean? So for me, I have buddies, um, you know, when talking about this stuff, it's like, hey, what's your workout plan right now? Like, what's going on? Can you send me that? And I'm like, look, I'll send it to you. Okay. (laughs) But like, the reality is like, it's, it's not going to be anything you haven't seen before. Right. The, the, the difference is, are you just going to do that consistently over time? Right. And you know, I'm, and I'm not, just so you know, I'm not, I'm not shopping around your workouts. <laughs> I, I, you. fe- I felt like the wheels were you're probably good. Like, even if you are, even this if you are you're <laughs> somebody will hold you accountable. Yeah, right? exactly. Exactly. Um, no, but you know, <clears throat> I just lost my train of thought. Um, yeah, I agree with you hundred percent, you know, and the thing is, is that from my understanding of marketing is I, yeah. I, I do position it and I do explain that it is, you know, there is a set thing that you need to follow mm-hmm. but the oversimplification and weeding out the bullshit is yeah. that secret sauce. You know right. what I mean? Because I think of it as like, you have X amount of energy to spend, right? What do totally you, agree. what do you set? What do you, how are you spending that? And if you think about your training, like money, and mm-hmm. you think I only have, you know, a hundred dollars, like how do I get the most bang for my buck? We talked about that. Yep. Uh, you know, what am I spending my dollar in? Am I spending it on reps over here that aren't going to serve me? Right. If your goal is this and you're, you know, to get faster and you're spending half your time in your training session doing arms, you're really not looking to get that goal. You're looking to yeah. get so it's it's one of those things. It's obviously a trade off, but it's it to me it's it's trimming the fat of the stuff that's not going to get you that. It's consistently building upon that, 
Um, now some things do get technical and you, you, you can sure. get a little bit deep on certain things, especially when you're talking a little bit more performance wise. Yeah. But you know, I think it comes down to what does that athlete need? I go back to this. An athlete always does what they're good at, right? So yeah. an athlete, if he's got a big chest and he's got a big bench, what's he going to do in the weight room, you know, majority of the time or want to do? He's going to want to bench press. Right. So it's just one of those things you might, you, you like to pull up, right? <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's a, there's a pull up world record out there that I have my eyes set on. Yeah, so, so yeah. yes, so, yes. I mean, you're going to love it, love and hate. Yeah. So I look at the game as a whole and it's like, if you suck at one thing, you know, and, and me as your coach, I'm holding you accountable to get better at that one thing. Right. I know, obviously I'm oversimplifying it in conversation, but it is really, it does really come down to that. And it comes down to what area, what tool are we trying to add to your toolbox each off season? And then when the athletes look back upon that and then their coaches reiterate, wow, you've turned in, you know, you're a completely different ball player. Wow. Look what you've been able to achieve. Yep. They see those things. Right. Um, and I think that's what, it's just a, a momentum shift where they're starting to stack those off seasons up with me. And then, you know, next thing you know, we're able to have, build a complete ball player. Yeah. Um, that's really what it comes down to. No, that, I mean, everything you're saying, I, I completely agree with. I think I've seen that kind of in my own experience, right? So I, I played college football um, and then kind of, you know, I'm now, how old am I? 32? Holy God, I should know that. So mm-hmm. I'm 32. You know what I mean? In the last few years, I've kind of really started training again just because I love it, right. you know, and uh, I need something to get me out of bed at, at five in the morning to actually work out. So um, I agree. It's, you can burn yourself out wasting time mm-hmm. on the exercises, the things, and this is true for all aspects of your life that are not actually pushing you towards your goal. Right. So when we caught up before this, I said, one of the biggest things to me is efficiency of time. Right. You know, when I was 18 or 19, uh, in an off season, I mean, I could be at the gym for two hours. Right. Right. You know what I mean? I would stretch for 30 minutes. I could talk some shit. Yeah. Work out, hang out, have a pro like now it's like if I miss, you know, if I'm 10 minutes late waking up, I mean, it's I'm down to having 50 minutes to get something done before I got to get ready for work and commute. You right. know what I mean? Right. So one of the big things I've really been trying to understand is that like efficiency piece. Um, you know, what's going to be the best and kind of highest use of my time, right? If if my goal, you know, to your point is pull-ups. Well, what are the things that are actually going to move me to that goal and like the time that I have available? Um, and so I, I think trying to work towards that level of efficiency, the, the simplification has been the thing that I, I feel personally has, has been most impactful. Right. And like you said, it's just exactly what you mentioned is it's efficiency. It's being able to be honest with yourself of what your goal actually is. Yeah. What's the most efficient way we can get from point A to point B. Yeah. And, uh, you know, like you said, alluded to it, it gets when you're on a time crunch, it gets like that. Like I have some draft prep guys right now that are preparing for pro days and NFL, NFL draft prep. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, man, these guys just want to live in the gym. You know, we go like, we basically do a technical session, which is okay. kind of split up like how I originally did yours. Right. Oh yeah. Yeah. It's more of like a technical, uh, session where it's like, we're learning 
the we're learning the test. It's like the SAT, and they're giving you the type of test you're taking. So we're studying that test. We're not studying right. science and math. We're studying the test, right? And so for and and uh, I mean, most people who are listening, my mo- my mom and my wife to start, um, <laughs> the the tests would be the forty yard combine, right? Yeah. The the twenty yard shuttle, yeah. the vertical jump, the broad jump, right? All all things that are great indicators of athleticism, but right. uh, and not to steal your thunder, right? having a sound technical understanding of like the best way to move your body through those exercises. Like you can really improve your results. Um, just to give, just to give listeners some context. Yeah. And just to let people know, like there's definitely, it's, it's so built out now that there's hacks in that test. Right. So, uh, you know, there's, there's definitely ways that you can, it's a game of inches and, Mm -hmm. You know, when you're talking millions of dollars on the line and (laughs) from a tenth of a second, you know what I mean? In your 40 yard dash, it's It's wild. So as a coach, you got to kind of figure out all those hacks. Yep. Um, You can't just line up on the line anymore and run. It used to be like that because it's just like, hey, what kind of speed does this guy have? Right. Now it's just a complete it's, it's turned into a. Uh, man, like I almost kind of don't care for it anymore because it got away from what the true measurement was. You right. know, you can take a guy who's probably not a ball player, and I've seen this before. They go measure really well, and it's a beautiful thing. Don't get me wrong. It is a beautiful thing. I mean, I'm on both sides because they can literally just go show their physical attributes and get picked up. And whereas you have a guy over here, which I've worked with a guy who was an absolute stud ball player, numbers yep. Lie, consistently produced, had a nose for the ball. That's things you can't teach. Had the mind game. Yeah, just a just a baller when the shoulder pads are on. Exactly, and he yep. tested. He, you know, he tested. He didn't test well, and he didn't get a shot. You know, so it's just one of those things where it's like I see it on both sides. It, it, but you know, we'll continue to play that game if they're going to continue to analyze yep. that, right? So, yep. uh, where I was going with that was these guys will sit in the gym for five hours a day. That's right. what they want to do. You know, they do their technical session, they do their, their lifting session, and then they're sitting there recovering and, and just hanging out, drinking their pro, you know what I mean? But yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a completely different time in our life. I know you mentioned it too in college. It was like, you based your day around that. Now, oh, yeah. now obviously in what we're doing, you know, with business and this and that, it's like, I find out where can I fit that in. Uh, it's a completely different mindset. So it's just <clears throat> knowing what you want to accomplish and what you're willing to sacrifice because yeah. you do have enough time. There's one guy, uh, his name's Craig Ballantyne. I used to love what he used to say. He used to give like just simple advice <clears throat> when somebody would come to him and say like, Oh, I don't have enough time. He would say, wake up an hour earlier. Yeah. And it's like, he would yeah. just you dead in your face and say that. And it's just like, at the end of the day, there's so much truth to that. Like, don't say you don't have enough time, especially when you can figure out things that you can sacrifice to be able to do that. Yeah. Um, so it's just one of those things that you, you got to fit it in. And then like you said, going off of piggybacking off what you said, it's just a matter of getting efficient when you do have those things. So for, you know, even my own training or somebody else's training, it's like how much can we punch in for that to get to the goal where we're going? Yep. Yeah. And I, I think about that a lot too. Uh, and this has been like a huge kind of uh mental shift for me. Are you still doing good? 
Oh yeah, I'm good. You're straight. Okay. <laughs> uh, my my brother's an audio technical engineer, so he's he's gonna chop this this thing up if and when needed. Um, so w- one of the things that has kind of been a big mental shift for me is not just efficiency in terms of like time and time management, but just mm-hmm. like energy. Yeah. You know, I've found that like energy and just like stress is it, it's all cumulative. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so it's interesting. Like I, I've, I've tried to put a much bigger emphasis on sleep recovery and all, and we could have a whole separate podcast. I'm sure just about that. Um, but I, I also wanted to be efficient in like how I was using my energy, right. you know, like let, let's say I I'm consistent. I get to the gym with an hour. Um, I want to make kind of the, the best and highest use of every rep. Mm-hmm. And, and so it can certainly for, for people listening, they're like, that sounds like a really exhausting way to live. Like this dude is just constantly thinking about efficiency <laughs> and, and that's not the case, but I'm like, look, if, if I'm going to be in the gym, right. I, I want to get the most out of it. If I have yeah. a set amount of time, like how can I do that? And one of the things that I stumbled upon that had certainly changed to your point in the last like 10 years is when I was in college, I, I don't think triphasic training had been released or really spoken about, right? Mm -hmm. So, you know, my last year plan was 2010. And I, if we were implementing some pieces of that, um, you know, I don't really remember it. Um, But I I found out about triphasic training, uh, who's kind of, you know, penned by Cal Dietz. Mm -hmm. Uh, You could speak much more articulately to that than I can. But one of the things that I really liked about your programs and kind of made me willing to jump in is, uh, you know, your the way that you talk about how you applied that to your own programs. And I think, again, this kind of theme of simplicity, it, it seemed easy to understand and implement. Um, so I think one of the things I'd love to have you talk about a little bit, you know, if, if we can give people just one tool in the toolbox, um, you know, talking a little bit about how you use triphasic training within your own programs for your own athletes. Um, and maybe, you know, if you could even expound on a little bit, how you've seen that, uh, turn into positive gains for these folks. Yeah, absolutely. You know, to give people listening to, to have an understanding of triphasic training, Basically, during an athletic movement, there's three phases to an athletic movement. There's an eccentric, yep. isometric, and concentric. So if you're a uh, performing a bench press, right, mm-hmm. you can think of the lowering of the bar to your chest as the eccentric. The transition from your chest going up would be considered the isometric, and the yep. pushing of the bar forward would be considered the concentric. Um, so essentially what – triphasic training does is it blocks and focuses on each of those three phases and each of those three phases have their own unique benefit um, that when integrated back into a movement produce a more powerful movement. Um, And what's funny is to to, to my, how I stumbled across this was when I was in college I was just like anybody else. I was searching for that secret sauce. What was that unique thing that I could do that nobody else knew about, right? Mm -hmm. And I stumbled across Adam Archuleta. Adam Archuleta was a safety for such a a beast, right? For the for the Rams, and uh, you know he put together one of the best combines of all time. And here's this kind of. Identified with them. Here's this workout warrior kind of white boy walk on, you know, and yep. just and all of a sudden he puts up some of the craziest results. Well, 
I played junior college out in Arizona and I did my research and I came across a guy named Jay Schroeder. Jay Schroeder was his coach. Uh, And what happened was, was I think before I even traveled out to Arizona, I bought their little DVD, right? They had a little DVD kind of talking about their training methods. Yep. So when I went out there, I drove two hours, three hours north or whatever it was up to like Phoenix, Glendale area because I was in Tucson. Okay. And I got training sessions from him. And really what it was, was he exposed me to uh, the eccentric and isometric portions. Like there was no names to this. Like, but I remember my training session with him was he had me hold basically a Bulgarian split squat for like five minutes and and like it must it must have took me the entire session like 45 minutes right because i just kept having like i would do like maybe 45 seconds and i was dead i I mean for anyone who's never done it that's like a wall sit on steroids like one leg on the ground one leg behind you on the bench Exactly, and i remember calling the guy up and i remember just being like you know how much what are the results i can get this and that like just you know just immature not really knowing it it's like you're gonna get into what you put out so i knew he was testing me Hmm. and uh and yeah so i went through a series of training with him that off season and staying in touch and things that and and the, the methods were very unique i'll say that because he didn't implement a lot of the training. I think he was trying to build from a foundation all the way up. Okay. And, you know, for me as a college athlete, you know, trying to, trying to, you know, move some weight for him to have me just do a lot of static holds. It was just, I, I just couldn't understand it at the time. I didn't have the knowledge. I didn't understand this whole triphasic. Well, then what happened is fast forward, you know, until after college football and all this other stuff. And I'm a coach now and I'm training people and, I'm going for my own goals as far as the vertical jump. Yep. Um, I was, you know, just doing some research. I was kind of capped at about 40 inches. Right. And I kind of just hit a plateau and I was a pedestrian, a pedestrian 40 inches. (laughs) (laughs) Oh God, that's awesome. Yeah. But, um, you know, so, and I, I, my goal was 42. So I was like, what can I do? What can I do? What can I do? So I started really hitting the research in books and kind of having that same mentality of, what I had previously, like, what's that secret sauce? What can put me over the edge? Yep. And uh, I actually, this actually was by mistake, but I stumbled across it talking to one of my strongman buddies. Now I had yeah. this uh, friend who was a strongman. He was young and this kid was chubby when I saw him on the circuit in strongman, like didn't, didn't look like he was impressive at all, but, but really kind of had that same attitude of like hitting the books, hitting the research and finding new ways. Yeah. And he was the one that basically told me about triphasic training. Mm. And he just mentioned to to me about like, Hey, I just follow triphasic. He, he, this was something that was prescribed to him by another strong man. So then I'm like, okay, that's interesting. And something he said sparked me and it reminded me of my time with Jay Schroeder. So then what happened was I obviously um, <clears throat> looked it up and I found the book by Cal Dietz and yeah. I dove in. And I mean, I dissected that book front to back. Um, I went through it all. <clears throat> and what I started doing was immediately implementing it into my training. Yeah. And with the 
with the hindsight of working with Jay, I started doing those things with the plyometrics that I used to do, which I was like, I kind of implemented that into my own. He never really talked about that. He talked more from a strength uh, training perspective. Right. And what I noticed was um, I started doing it. I started stacking those on. And next thing you know, I started getting really crazy results and I peaked really well. And it's kind of been, you know, just from there, it's been one of those things that I've implemented in all my performance training. Yeah. Um, and it's just been, it's gotten great results. That's awesome. So yeah, the Caldeets book is great. It, it's, it's like a very easy to read textbook. You know what I mean? Even someone like myself who uh, is, is very much an amateur and in no way a coach or expert, um, I was able to dive into it and I was just kind of blown away by it. It, it felt like a huge step forward compared to what I was doing. You know what I mean? Um, and that's not to say like what we were doing when I was playing was we were behind the times, right? I, no one was doing it, maybe with the exception of him, right? Um, so I'll certainly, I'll link to that book. But, you know, for folks listening, could you talk a little bit about um, at, at a most basic, and I guess the, the theme of this is almost simplified way, <laughs> talk about how you implement this into your workouts. And I, I guess the first question is, is this something that you whether it's baseball, basketball, football, uh, I don't know about swimming. W would you implement triphasic training for people across all those disciplines? Um, yeah. So if it's a younger athlete, what I typically do right. is um, they, I feel like they have to build foundation. Yeah. Right? So I don't if you think about triphasic. It's really kind of a cherry on top for a more advanced progressed athlete. Mm -hmm. That's not to say I don't do it with some high school athletes, but I try to build a base of relative and absolute strength. And if yeah. that's developed, then what I do is I'll flip to having a more triphasic approach. And okay. what people need to understand is I work with athletes in an off season. So I typically right. have from two to six months. Okay, so I'm only working with them for a select amount of time. Yeah. And so what I do is I do what we call block periodization. I basically try to build each month off the last month Got it. Um, to, uh, to essentially get to a, a, a finalized goal or a set of numbers that we're trying to achieve in that offseason. Um, and really what triphasic does is basically you do the same thing in block periodization. You focus on the eccentric phase first, like we talked about in the bench press, the lower end yep. portion. And, and, and when, you, when you say focusing on the, the eccentric portion, so just so people who have no idea what we're talking about, can you talk about what like an eccentric focused rep might look like in, in terms of timing? I know you're really big on timing. Right. So it's really more or less if, if anybody in the training into training have heard the word tempos, it's basically mm -hmm. how you're controlling the weight or coming down. So when we do an eccentric block, what we'll do is we'll pick a compound movement. Let's use the bench press for the same example. Yep. We're going to lower that weight essentially uh, for a certain amount of time. And the longer the amount of time, anywhere from about four to all the way up to eight to 10 seconds, um, we're, we're essentially stimulating a particular mechanism within those muscles to train them to essentially, again, the outcome is to produce a more powerful, stronger 
um, movement. Right. Um, and, and I'm trying to break it down in most simplest terms. No, this is great, um, man. This is, this is yeah, perfect. So, so, so when we focus on an eccentric, we might go anywhere from a month to six to eight weeks mm-hmm. where we focus on lowering that weight anywhere from, and I, I, I tend to play. Um, I know that Cal has a set, a set amount of, uh, 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 numbers that he prescribes and stuff like that. Sure. I try to look at it as what stimulus is that athlete getting? Mm. And uh, by lowering the weight to give the general concept, we're basically working the uh, the muscle spindles and the Golgi tendons. So, so not to get into that, we're basically working that elastic strength, the stretch reflex and stretch shortening within that muscle yeah. during that phase. And uh, so my thing is, is during that phase, I'm just trying to stimulate the athlete to be able to lower um, a heavier load in a slower amount of time and really show control underneath that. Yeah. And I like and I like the fact that you point out it's about a stimulus, right? Like it's so easy often to get caught up in like how much weight am I pushing? You know what I mean? Like, and I totally get it because people get goal oriented. Say, say your bench press goal is 300 pounds. You know what I mean? You can get so fixated on like where you are that day, where you're at that point. But I like what you're saying is it's more about like, am I getting the stimulus that I'm actually going after? Right. You know, and, and I guess in the end result is, is that stimulus usually for like muscle growth? Is it about tendons? Is it about everything? So, and that's the thing is it comes down to the goal. So if, okay. if an athlete has a goal of, you know, somebody comes to me and they want to build muscle, I'm not going to put them on triphasic. Mm. I'll put them on, you know, we'll, we'll do some compound movements to get a hormonal response. And then we're going to make sure that we hit enough sets yeah. frequency throughout the week to basically stimulate hypertrophy the best. So it has nothing to do with triphasic. Yeah. Triphasic is just from a performance realm. To me, it's one of those things that, that is able to work again, to produce a a movement that's overall more powerful. Yep. And, uh, and and so it just depends on, again, what the goal of the athlete is. And again, it goes down to the stimulus. I know some people will be like, well, Cal says to do it for this amount of time in his book. And it's like, well, at the end of the day, you're not understanding the bigger picture then of what he's trying to achieve. Yes, we give set numbers so that somebody can follow it. Right. You got to understand what we're trying to achieve in that, because some guys will see what I'm doing in the training, uh, you know, with my athletes in the gym is different than the online programming. Well, it's like, well, yeah, you're under my watch in my gym compared to you doing it on your own. Right. So if I give you 10 seconds, it's because I know you're probably going to realistically do it in six. It's just because you're, you know what I mean? So it's just one of those things. Oh, uh, see, now I know I've been getting all these 10 second loads and I'm like, what am I now? I know you just want me to do six. So no, no point taken. Point taken. <laughs> uh, no, and I, I think that's a great point. And I, as I kind of lose my own train of thought, but it, it's easy to get caught up in this notion that there's like a magic number of sets a magic number of reps, a magic number of time, right? And to your point, it's like you're really going after as a stimulus. It's going to help make make the desired change. It's going to push you forward to your goal. Exactly. I love that. Um, So so talk a little bit about like the isometric. um, And then I I feel like the last piece of it is probably pretty easy to understand because they're doing it it naturally. (laughs) Obviously, it's it's 
it's science heavy when it comes to triphasic, you know, cause you are obviously getting a particular stimulus through each block. Yeah. Um, so I, you know, it's, I guess it's a little bit more hard, harder thing to, to uh, describe without going into the science, but to try sure. to give you an overview. So basically isometric phase, it's again, it's another block where you're working anywhere from, you know, three to six to eight weeks. And during that phase, we're basically focused on a pause at the bottom of that rep. And what we're trying to achieve there is maximum motor recruitment, right? So we're, we're achieving, we're trying to, as certain motor units, uh, um, uh, fatigue, we're trying to recruit more, right? Right. More of that muscle that we're trying or that movement that we're trying to achieve. And then concentric is about rate of force development. That's the driving up. Um, And when you focus on that movement, it's how fast can we produce force? Um, And that's really what the focus is. So then when you stack all three of those together at the end of those three blocks of training and focusing on each one individually, you reintegrate it into the movement. And the hope is now that you have a, a, a faster, more powerful movement. Yeah. Got it. So you said something too, and I may, I hope I didn't mislead folks. What, what sort of goals um, or like desired outcomes align well with triphasic training? So to your point, if someone just wants to get bigger, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Summer's around the corner. They want to look good, <laughs> get the guns going. It sounds like this might not necessarily be something that's worth implementing, like what are the sort of like outcomes that someone might be after that it makes sense to implement this into their workout? Yeah. So typically when I stumbled across it, obviously it was for the vertical jump. Um, What I do it is for athletes who essentially, and really, I, I really just do it for more posterior chain work with like hip extension because hip extension translates to a lot of different movements as far as jumping, running, things of that nature. Um, And it's just elevating an athlete's performance. Yeah. If anybody would have any kind of performance goal and they feel like they've plateaued, um, it's definitely one that I feel can start to uh, aid in that. For instance, you know, one thing we talk about you and, and wanting to get um, a little more spring in your step, things of that nature, that yeah, would yeah, yeah. implement it. Uh, somebody who's wanting to get stronger can implement uh, phases of, of, of that training. Right. Um, especially if they have a plateau, if it's somebody who's looking for more aesthetics or more you know, hypertrophy, it's really not going to do any justice for them. Um, but yeah, it's been really a staple for me, especially with having, again, knowing that I have athletes for a particular amount of time in the off season, I might focus one or two phases on some kind of general prep or, uh, uh you know, what we can consider kind of like an adaptation phase, like getting them into the weight room, getting them situated. And then if I have three more months or three more blocks that I can work with them, I know I'm going to focus, depending on where they're at, we'll, we'll add some kind of elements of that training. And I know usually what I see is the, the, you know, the, the, the power out of their legs is able to increase tremendously when doing that. Yeah. So for someone who does want to implement this, right? Like, I mean, there's a lot of folks, I mean, they play basketball, they play soccer, maybe they do CrossFit even. And they, like, to your point, they've hit a plateau and they, yeah. they need to get over that next hump. Um, or there's someone like me who just like can't quite give it up and is still trying to get like bigger, faster, stronger. 
as far as like, like take, take a week, right? Like one week of one of these blocks that you're talking about, where do they implement this into their program? Is it every day? Is it every lift? And I'm asking from a, a place where I feel like I've really messed this up oh, wow. and screwed myself up, you know? So like, how does, how does someone go about if, if they're programming for themselves, what's the best way that they can, they can implement this? So the way that I've kind of starting to really um, nail down how I do it is I typically go upper lower split, right? So I usually okay. go two days upper, two upper body, two days lower body. And yeah. depending on the athlete and what we're trying to achieve, I'll usually focus one day of that portion of, let's say, your lower body for doing it two days per week. Yep. One will be typically focused on an absolute strength where we're trying to move like a maximum load. We're really building towards how much how much move or how much resistance we can we can move. Yeah. Um, and the second day is where I'll focus on. Uh, usually the first day I do triphase, the second day I do uh, absolute strength. Yeah. I'll do one day dedicated towards moving that weight at a tempo. Okay. Um, I've played with it different ways and I still do depending on the athlete where I'll do maybe a mixture of triphasic sets and absolute strength. If yep. it's a really high end athlete or I'll usually do one of the two days where it's focused on that. So let's say for instance, we do trap bar deadlift one day. And right. we're trying to move as much weight as we can, let's say five sets of three reps, right? And then you yeah. want to go to a heavy three reps. Well, the second day or that first day would be something along the lines of like a five by three using the same example. But now mm -hmm. we're lowering the weight in five or six seconds. So we're getting that stimulus uh, that we discussed in that block. Yep. Um, so I just try to keep it pretty pretty uh pretty um simplistic or easy to adhere to yeah. so that we can progress because the big thing is you want to progress them on top of each other and continue to move them so you don't want to throw too many different variables from what i noticed in there because yeah. it's all about getting that stimulus going stimulus going back to what we talked about earlier got it so am i correct to say like look one day if you're doing a, a a split, you know, where let's say you do an upper body twice a week, right? Mm -hmm. Take take one of those days and implement this if it kind of aligns with the the goals and outcomes you're going after into just like like a big compound movement, right? Not yeah. don't don't throw it into all of your other accessory lifts. You know, I got I did that in the beginning and yeah. I just don't see the benefit of it. So what I typically do again, going back to it, is I focus on it from a level of um, hey, give me a sec. Um, going on a <laughs> going on from a level of uh, you know from a from a posterior chain, right? These are the things. These are the the movements like your back squat that are yep. going to support you in running and jumping. So I'll utilize it for those particular movements. If I'm doing yeah. like a bench press and I want somebody to be able to push with more force. Yeah. I can implement it with there, but I don't typically go into it and use it for the lunge or, or, or right. you know, these accessory movements. I just kind of pick one or two movements that are more dominant in that, which is usually your, your push and maybe like a squat and I'll implement it with those compound movements. Got it. Yeah. And, and one of the things I found too, when I, when I first tried to implement this myself is I, I threw it into like everything. Yeah. I was like, Oh, perfect. Isometrics are the answer. Like, let me do it on it. And I just, I, 
burnt myself out. Like it really, it really taxes you to the point where like I started getting sick. I wasn't Mm -hmm. sleeping, you know, I mean, I literally burnt myself out. Um, so I think that's something important to understand. And I wish someone would have warned me, but you know what I mean? Work, work smarter, not harder. Exactly. Um, awesome, man. Well, look, I, I know you're running four businesses currently and I can, I can hear people, uh, shuffling in who needs your attention. You know what I mean? So I, I want to get you out of here for people who definitely want to, um, you know, either work with you or, or learn more about what you're doing. I know you have a ton of content on, uh, multiple platforms. Where's the best place to start and, and, you know, where and how can people find you? Uh, overtimeathletes.com. It's pretty simple. Whatever platform it is, it's just Overtime Athletes. So if you're on YouTube, it's Overtime Athletes. If you're on Instagram, it's Overtime Athletes. Awesome. Uh, You know, and then if you want to check out the website, it's OvertimeAthletes.com. And from there, they can kind of get a feel. You know, the beauty of YouTube is it's all transparent, right? You can see how it is. I exactly coach right there. So it's like I got 100 videos plus of that. So yeah. it's able to kind of see from there what the style is, how I implement those. So a lot of these things we're talking about, you're able to see real time. Awesome. Um, and, and yeah, it's pretty big, pretty much the easiest way to, to, to catch me. Okay, cool. Yeah. And I can, I can personally attest to it, man. You're, you're doing great stuff. And uh, I think you give a ton of information away for free, which uh, is amazing, man. So uh, glad to hear that, that everything's going so well. And I, I appreciate uh, all the help you know, you've given me over the last few months. So, uh, it's been fun, man. Oh yeah. I appreciate you having me on. Awesome, dude. All right. Well, I'll, I'll catch up with you later. Okay. Sounds good. All right. Thanks. Mommy, You better go ask mommy, daddy. (laughs) All right. It is now that time of the show where I run it by my wife. Hello wife. Hi husband. So the point of this is to take everything that I heard in the podcast, right? And try and distill it down into something that hopefully is an actionable takeaway for people, right? Because a lot of times when I listen to these podcasts, the guest is incredibly interesting. There's a ton of content, right? But then there's a lot of things that are left unanswered as to like, okay, what am I supposed to do with this, right? How do I actually begin to like make sense of this and use it in my own life? So My thought is we'll use this section to kind of start to recap, right? But rather than me just talking to myself, which is brutal and I'm in (laughs) no way capable of doing yet, uh, I thought it would be nice to have you in the room and not only give me some feedback, but offer a much needed feminine perspective. I like that. Okay. (laughs) I hope so. It's a little late now (laughs) because we are knee deep. So after five years of marriage, I know you fairly well. I would say the listeners at home, however, might not. So what I thought would be fun and uh, you had no idea that this was coming is that we would start off with some questions Oh, so people can get to know you. Okay. So if you're up for it, first question, and again, just gut reaction, right? Don't overthink it. Just let it happen. Age. 30. Okay. I didn't know if we were going to answer that one. Let's go (laughs) with uh, weight. Currently or goal? <laughs> Again, didn't think you're okay. Whatever <laughs> you choose. Well, this is radio. No one knows. Seeing, seeing that we had a baby two months ago, not even. Yeah. Right now I'm 130. Wow. And I'd like to be 127. I love it. That's a very uh, tight window. 
yeah. you're shooting for. Yeah. And yes, if you hear it's any, an any pounds, cooing or ooing or aahing, uh, that more than likely is our youngest infant who is joining us on this session because we have tried to do this now multiple times. And uh, I think we picked the worst time of day because he's having a full on meltdown. So hopefully he cooperates. Yeah. Bear with us um, because we're, we're trying our best. This is, this is real life folks. So, okay. We'll just keep it going here. <laughs> I'm interested to see why my weight is Im- important here. <laughs> yeah. Don't worry about it. Okay. <gasps> okay. <laughs> Next question, Michael Scott or Dwight K. Schrute. Obviously Dwight. <laughs> okay. All right. Favorite parent. You have two. Oh my God. No way. I'm not answering that. <laughs> okay. All right. Uh, I think that was pretty good. I think the people at home now have a good comprehensive sense of kind of what you're about. So let's dive into the podcast. Oh God, that was the weirdest set of questions. I thought it was going to be more like one of those bridal party games where... You know, I've no. never been to a bridal shower, so I'm not sure how those go. Okay. So what did you think of the, let's start with uh, some self-serving, reaching for compliments. What did you think of the first show with Chris? I thought it was great. He's great. Yeah. He's wonderful. Yeah. He's very knowledgeable. Very knowledgeable. He's just super easy to talk to as well. So he was a a really good first person to have on the show. That was fun. Um, Did you feel like you took some good stuff away from it? Yes. Um, I think he was very easy to understand and his approach was something that I think most people could do. Yeah, I liked his approach too, because it seems like there's a logic to it. Oh boy. You know what I mean? Like it, it, it's while he has a ton of knowledge, he's not overcomplicating it, right? Like he has the ability to go deep where needed, but in terms of like what his recommendations are, it's like I think things that a lot of people can probably try and, um, you know, at least begin to implement on their own. So the takeaways that I felt were important, right? It was number, number one, and you kind of already hit on it was this idea of simplification, right? When we're talking about something like training, it, it doesn't need to be inherently complex for it to be effective, right? So often, you know, the best approach is something that is uh, simple, straightforward. And I think what's really important is that it's repeatable and that it's something that you can kind of do consistently over time. Um, That was one of the biggest things that I took away from that. I feel like that's kind of true with everything. Definitely. Right. Like more often than not, like the simplest approach. It's too hard. You're not doing it again. Yeah, exactly. And you know what? Like, um, I know we're going to have a later episode where we talk diet. But I, I feel like that's why so many diets don't work is because they're too complex. Yeah. Right. Like there's like too many. Mm-hmm. They're too hard to maintain and have a normal life. Exactly. Which is what we're all about here. Yeah. In the gun Normalcy. Household. Normalcy. Normal <laughs> life. Just a nice normal life. <laughs> so, okay. Keep it simple. That's number one. Right. Uh, definitely do your research. But once you find something that is uh, hopefully been proven or to at least work for other people, maybe someone that you're trying to replicate their results, right? Like don't overcomplicate it. Keep it simple. Um, the other thing that he said that should be really intuitive is make sure that the things you're doing and spending your time doing are things that are going to actually move you closer to your goal. Right. So like you right. use the analogy, Hey, if you're trying to get faster, don't spend all day in the arms or don't, don't spend all day in the gym doing arms. Mm-hmm. Right. Which is what I feel right. I'm Intuitive. guilty of. Yeah. But or also just, yeah, they think they have to do 
full body everything. Yeah, you don't have to do full body everything. Right? Sometimes you do. Sometimes you just got to just focus on the glutes <laughs> for the ladies out there. <laughs> Keep the glutes tight. Um, no, but I think that's important, right? It's like, at least for me, working out is a lot easier and a lot more fun when you have a goal, right? And if you're someone like us, the, who happens to have three kids works, right? And time is of the essence. When you do get in the gym to work out and you have a goal, make sure everything you're doing is moving you closer to that goal. And if not, either trim it out or make it something that is just kind of like an additional accessory that's like icing on the cake. Yeah. Fair enough. Fair enough. I feel like so far we're in agreement on this. <laughs> this one's easy to agree on. Yeah, this is a really, this is an easy one. That we're just super compatible. <laughs> the other thing that, uh, and selfishly, I, I lobbed this up to him because I just, I think it's so cool and I love it. The triphasic training, right? So he said, mm -hmm. really, I mean, and this is someone who's like a really proficient strength and conditioning coach in the last 10 years, right? There's nothing that he felt was like so groundbreaking that it's completely changed his approach to fitness, right? But triphasic training has been something that he, he calls a tool in his toolbox, that can be really effective. And so, you know, he gives a really good description, so I'm not going to do that again here, but what I think is worthwhile is understanding if you're someone who is training for performance or maybe you've hit a plateau and you're, you're, you're kind of stalled in, in reaching your goal, triphasic training is something that uh, anyone, it sounded like, could implement into their workout program. Right. Well, I think that you read about it a couple of years ago and tried to implement it yourself, yeah, but burned out. So maybe it's important to talk about what you're doing now yeah, differently so that you don't have that same problem. Yeah, we could definitely do that. I mean, I, so I touched on it a little bit, but I guess I did gloss over it. So the reason I burned out was because one, I, I was doing like, let's say it was an eccentric portion, right? So he talks about doing everything in like blocks. What's the eccentric again? So the eccentric is like, if we're talking about a bench press, right? When you take that, the bar, um, off the rack, the eccentric portion would be the lowering of the bar to your chest. Oh, gotcha. Right. And so what you're doing is you're, you're doing that at a much slower kind of cadence than you normally would. Um, and so what that's doing is like forcing you to train that eccentric motion. So what I didn't realize is like how taxing that is on your central nervous system and the isometric portion even more so, right? So when I first started implementing, I implemented it in like every exercise I and did. And isometric is when it's like the push up? No. So, yeah, okay, good question. So the isometric is, it's like the transitional phase. So if we're just talking about bench press again, mm -hmm. eccentric is like the lowering and then the isometric would be like that. It's almost like a, a instantaneous moment. Yeah. It's like that moment where the bar go transitions from like moving down to moving back up. So mm -hmm. an isometric hold then is like at that moment of transition, you're kind of like contracting your muscles and like keeping the bar like at that exact um, place. If that makes sense. Gotcha. Yes. Right. So, but what, like there's a ton of benefits as to like why you do that. And we could even have a whole nother show, but what it does is it's like way more taxing on your muscles. It makes you recruit other muscles, um, that probably weren't getting involved to the we same do extent. We do something similar in bar class. So I know what you're doing. Oh, yeah. so, is that what the ladies are doing in bar? Yes. <laughs> um, I still, I still have never done bar. 
we're going to get you in a bar class soon. I'm terrified of it. Yeah. I don't know how you'd hold up in it. I really don't think I would do well. I mean, there's 70 year old women next to me doing it and I don't know how you, a decathlete could do in it. I love that you call me a decathlete. (laughs) I thank you. I appreciate that very very much. Very fit, man. Yeah. Well, that's, yeah, that's even still, uh, thank you. But uh, (laughs) people at home are probably envisioning like Ashton Eaton and then they're going to check out the YouTube and be like, oh, that's not exalted. (laughs) He looks like a big bulky (laughs) meat stick of a man. Um, So, so, so yeah, so bar is terrifying. I don't do well with like a lot of body weight, high repetition, which I think that's what it is, right? Yeah, yeah, definitely. That sounds like my nightmare. I don't do well benching. Yeah, okay. Well, you know, we all bring our strengths to the marriage. Still trying to get a pull up under my belt. We're going to get there. Oh, we should document that for everyone. Oh, that'd be fun. We should document (laughs) that. The road to one. Uh, Yeah, we can do that. We can do that. So where was I? Triphasic training. Yes. So the reason I burnt out, um, if people haven't already turned off, is because one, I implemented into like everything, which is not what you should do, right? Chris recommends not doing that. Cal Dietz also says like limit it to big compound movements. So that's important. The other thing, and Chris and I didn't get to talk about this, um, but I actually think it's important. We'll get some guests on to kind of give a really good explanation as to why this is so critical, but I didn't take what was called like a deload week. So what I I used to just, I would just always just work out like every week I was working out. I was never backing off. Right. So like a deload is, is kind of quite literally what it sounds like. Like you're, you've been putting your body through all this stress, doing these hard workouts. Like the human body can only take so much. Why are you smiling at me? (laughs) You look so cute. Oh gosh. (laughs) We'll edit that out. Um, (laughs) And so at some point, like your body can't constantly be under stress, right? It needs to have time where it can recuperate and recover. And, um, you know, so that you can like kind of benefit from all the hard work and tearing your body down. It needs to be able to like build back up. I think all your listeners will like hearing that. Yeah. Well, yeah, exactly. So there's a lot of different ways that you can deload. But the point was I was not doing it at all. Mm -hmm. And because of that, that's why I burned out. And so maybe I should have explained that a little bit more, but like a, a, a deload is not necessary if you're the type of person that's just like going to the gym and just like generally trying to stay in shape, right? You're probably mm-hmm. not pushing your body hard enough to where you would need to deload. Um, I'm sure CrossFitters probably know all about this already, but anyone who's like a power lifter, power lifters, like deloading is critical mm-hmm. in some capacity because like you can't continue to like push your body to the brink day after day, week after week, um, you know, you need to have like a, a set amount of time for recovering. Is that usually a week? You know, I think it can depend. Typically it's a week. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And it's like for, I always say this like type A type people. I don't even know what that really means. I just use it like I do. (laughs) I don't really know what it means either. We should look that up. Yeah. We'll look it up. Put it in the notes. (laughs) We'll put it. That's God. You're a pro. You're such a savvy pro. So yeah, so we'll put that in the notes. What is a type A personality? Everyone's like, we already know that. Yeah, I know. (laughs) Who doesn't know what that is? They're like, these people, I'm not going to make it to episode three. (laughs) So for the type of person who like is constantly like seeking progress, right? Like maybe your problem like isn't being driven and getting yourself in the gym. Um, It's actually harder to like back off and to like take that week to recover. So it's critical 
for the folks listening at home, right? Make sure you're doing it, research it. I'm going to try and get someone on and have a really good conversation about it. Um, but the deloading's critical. Last thing I'll say about triphasic training. If you're trying to wonder like, Hey, is this something that I should consider implementing into my workout strategy? Chris said it's for what we, you know, more advanced athletes. You don't need to be an Olympic caliber athlete to use it. But if you're like someone who really doesn't have a good base or foundation for strength training, probably your efforts would be better spent, um, you know, just on trying to improve general strength. And if people can't pick that up at home, my wife's already yawning Sorry. because that's <laughs> again, we have a two month old. <laughs> that is my cue to move on. Yeah. There's not a lot of sleep happening in this house right now. Mm-hmm. So, okay. So if you're an advanced athlete, someone who has a good background in lifting, give it a shot. I'm, I'm a huge proponent of it. Uh, I've seen big improvements in the different lifts that I'm tracking and, and, and just in terms of my like explosiveness and speed, it's been a big advantage. Um, and then the last thing, um, no, I guess that was it actually. Oh, I remember what I was going to say. Stimulus. Don't lose sight of what the purpose of your workout is, right? Like it's easy to get caught up in like, oh, how many reps, how many sets, like how much weight did I do that day? What you're really trying to do is create some sort of stimulus to drive change, right? So just, I think being conscious of the fact that stimulus is what we're after, I think that might change the way some people approach their workout. I know, I know it does for me. So are you guys thinking about stimulus and bar? Yeah. I'm still thinking about why you wanted to know how much I weigh. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't think you were going to answer Why you it. wanted everyone to know how much I weigh. Well, these were, these were uh, intended to throw you off a oh. little bit, but uh, <laughs> okay. nerves of steel, you were unfazed. And uh, yeah, now we all know how much you weigh. <laughs> less than two months after birth, no less. So let's <laughs> give her some props. Well, awesome. I think uh, this has been a good first start. Yeah. Is there anything we missed? Um, I didn't even give you a chance to talk, which isn't fair. That's okay. <laughs> that's okay. I have less to offer on this subject, I think. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, um, you know, tell the ladies at bar about triphasic, see if they, uh, want to get involved. And if any of the ladies want to up their bench, you know, <laughs> I will. we'll get them in touch, get them on the program. <laughs> um, okay. I think this is good. I think this is going to be a good thing. Yeah. Yeah. I think it'll be fun. I will too. Um, Awesome. So next week on the show, we are going to have my good friend, Noah Savage. He's a broadcaster for ESPN. He's a hilarious stand-up comedian out of New York City and uh, all around great guy. And we're going to cover a number of topics. um, And I think it's going to be enjoyable. It's very funny. Yeah. It's going to be a good one. So, all right. Well, hey, thank you everybody. And we'll see you next week. Bye.